Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, our God is an awesome God. He is so faithful. The other week in Newcastle, I asked people to fast and pray, and we saw such amazing breakthrough miracles happening that I felt to do that again um, this week. And we had people who fasted and prayed for a miracle and came with a real intention that when I come, I'm going to get healed. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she determined in her heart that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she came with a really focused faith. It wasn't, um, I'll give it a go and see what happens. In fact, there were lots of people touching Jesus. But when she made contact with him, something happened. The Lord says he felt Virtue flow out of him. He felt power go out of him. And she was healed. And he stopped and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, everybody's touching you, Jesus. What do you mean, who touched you? There was someone who touched him with a focused faith, with an intentional, deliberate, I'm going to touch him and I'm going to be healed. Um, And we had a lot of people come and receive and and the Lord touched and did some outstanding things. Have we got that little clip of this? I want to show you. This is Kay and we prayed for Kay on um, Friday night. Have a look at this. This is very cool. (laughs) Is it possible in the natural for her to hear in this ear? (laughs) She's had the surgeries to remove the hearing bones. So uh, close your good ear for me, darling. Close it up. And I want you to say what I say, okay? Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus. Nothing is impossible. (laughs) We give you all. (laughs) Bless the lovely Jesus. Hooray! Praise the Lord. It's so beautiful. Uh, it, she was really intentionally coming. Uh, now, Kay, I'm going to ask you to come on up. Give her a hand as she comes. <laughs> this is a really, I love, I love these sort of miracles because they're instantly demonstrable and people can see instantly that God's done something and God did do something special, didn't he? Now, how long has it been? When did you first lose the hearing in your ear? the age of three. What happened? I had the measles and an abscess on the eardrum burst and took the eardrum with it. And and then you had had to have ongoing surgeries. What what happened there? Well, I had part of the mastoid bone removed and a skin graft tried when I was about 12 and which wasn't successful. And then when I was in my 30s, um, it got really bad again because it used to discharge all the time. And I lived in Darwin at the time, and the specialist up there said it needs surgery again, so cut down into my ear again and tried another skin graft, and um, that wasn't successful neither. And what about all these other hearing bones? Well, when we came back to live in Ipswich in the 90s, in 97, it got really bad again, and the surgeon said, well... Um, it's a real mess, and so all these bones had grown into the ear canal and everything. So he said it really needs to be all cleaned out and and make your ear canal larger and all of that. So he just went in and done all the work, and 
He had to remove all of the hearing bones because they'd just all decayed and rotted. And, and could you hear anything in that ear? No. no. So no, no hearing at all? I, I'm looking at her ear. She's got the scars behind here from some of the operations that she's had. That it's a total impossibility for her to be able to hear out of this ear. And, but then you, you fasted and prayed, didn't you? Yes. I, I've been prayed for before, but it was like you said before, you know, you, well, I'll give it a go, you know. Um, but this time I've just been really contending with God about... Faith and believing and that and yes, Smith Wigglesworth, yes, <laughs> I love him, yes, and um, so it was you prayed for me on Sunday night, and I went and took the hearing aids out of my ears, and I thought, no. but nothing happened Sunday right no, nothing happened, no, so I just said, no, Lord, how can I trust you and have faith in you? when I'm still got these in my ears. So all through the week, I just left them out. And, um, and then on Friday, um, we started our fast, lunch and tea. And so came really, you know, with a different sort of feeling. Yes. <laughs> just expectant. It was so beautiful. I went to speak in her ear and I said, can you hear me? And you, and you said, yes, in such a, a deliberate um, voice, it was as though you were saying, of course I can. What do you think I came for? <laughs> He's so wonderful. Now, I just love doing this. I think, Charlie, you can, you can whisper in her ear from now on. But let, put, close your good ear again and, and, and let's just... God is good. I can't hear that. I love you. Jesus, you are wonderful. <laughs> Isn't he glorious? Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the thanks. He is an amazing God. That's a, that's a creative miracle. It's actually physically impossible to hear without those hearing bones. He is so good. But what I love about that is she came with a really focused faith. And there's, as, as Kay said, you know, I'd prayed for her on Sunday night. Nothing happened. But then Friday, she was like, right, we're having a miracle meeting. I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to receive that healing. And she, I tell you, before I could even get my hands on Kay, I, I felt the time to, to call her out and to pray for her. And before I could even get my hands on her, the Holy Spirit had touched her and healed her. And, you know, there's something that happens when we come very intentionally focused, asking specifically and fixing our eyes on who he is and what he is going to do. The Bible says, whenever, we, whenever you ask, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And that's very different to just giving it a go. There's a different between, difference between wanting to be healed and believing you are. You can want with all your passion. I have wanted to see people healed with all my passion many, many times. But it's when we believe that they will be and when they believe that they will be that we see that connection of faith. There's something that happens. There's a 
a point of connection with the power of God that happens when we come with a believing faith that says, yes, I'm going to have this. Thank you, Lord. You will do it. When we've settled in our heart the reality that God not only wants to, but He absolutely will do it when we ask. When we fix our faith on the Word of God, because the Word of God is an anchor. It is a solid rock. Hallelujah. And we can trust Him. He's so faithful. Isn't he wonderful? I want to read from you, uh, for you from the Song of Songs today, chapter one. And this is about focused faith. Focus. You see, I believe we're in a season that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to real focus, to not be distracted. In this age of information with you know, you can't even, um, you don't even have to go looking for information. Your phone will start dinging with updates. If something happens in um, Europe, we will know about it within minutes through the internet, bringing up notifications. Anybody else um, get these notifications on their phone or weather's happening or this is happening or that event's happened? But I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to get a hold of our focus to help us remember and recognize that he's wanting us to fix our eyes. Let's just read here in verse 15 of chapter 1. It says here, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. You know, this idea of dove's eyes is a really unusual concept Dove's eyes is not just little black beady eyes. Anybody ever seen doves walking around in their garden? They walk around in pairs because they, they have one mate for life. That's it. They have a partner for life and they stay close together all the time. You can always see them. They're always together. But doves have um, an unusual thing about their vision. They can only see what they're looking at. They can only see what they're focused on. And they have no peripheral vision, so they can't see all the things around them. They can only see what they're looking at. And the Lord wants us to look with intention and look with a focused faith that says, yes, I believe, I see it, I believe it, hallelujah. And the other thing I notice about these doves is they're constantly aware of the one that's with them. I have two little dogs, um, Billy and Pippa. Pippa's a little white Maltese and, and Billy's um, a Chihuahua cross Maltese, long-haired Chihuahua cross Maltese. And, but I tell you, Billy is obsessed. He is just obsessed with Pippa. From the moment they wake up, he's looking to see where she is. And then they get up and he carries her ear in his mouth as he walks along. Just all the time. He just, wherever she is, he is. And if, if she ever has to go to the groomer or something and, and she's, she's taken away for a couple of hours, he's just beside himself like, where is she? And it reminds me of this passage, this, this idea that the Lord delights in us having dove's eyes. And that he wants for us to have a holy obsession. Ah, you are my delight. You are my delight. God, my eyes are fixed on you. 
And as we do that, as we focus our attention on him, the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize that it's his good pleasure to fill our eyes that are gazing on him with revelation of who he is and his great love for us. Amen. He is he's so, so faithful. You know, this loyal focus that the doves have for each other is, is what God is looking for us to really cultivate. That when we wake up, that when we go to sleep, that we'd be aware of him. That we'd throughout the day be aware of him. And it's not a one-off, it's not a one-sided thing where we're looking at him and, and yet um, try to get his attention. He is more focused on us than we are on him all the time. He's thinking about us all the time. In fact, he says that you couldn't, if you tried to number the thoughts that I have about you every day, you, you couldn't possibly number them because they are beyond counting. The thoughts he's thinking about you personally every day, focused on you, loving you, believing in you, interceding for you. And he asks the same for us. He asks us to, to cultivate this delightful privilege of being part of the body of Christ, of being the bride of Christ. You know, as you wake up, God's heart is that he would be the first thing on your mind, that you'd, he'd be the first one you speak to. I know as I'm waking up, I'm, I'm coming out of my dreams. I'm thinking about what's God saying to me in my dreams. And then I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. Before I'm even consciously awake, I'm talking to him. And then I really like in the mornings, before I even come out of my room, I, I like to have communion. If I, if I um, take communion with him, it's just as though it's, I've got this special moment with you. Then often I'll go and get my cup of tea and have time with the family and then come back in later and, and have more quality time with the Lord. And then before I go to sleep at night, I'm reading the, reading the Bible. I get quite excited and then conversation sparks up with Tom. What does this mean? What do you think this means? I'm reading Revelation at the moment. I'm like, oh, man, this is such a hectic book. Oh, God. Oh, what do you think this means? This is so intense. Oh, and, and Tom's like, oh, I don't know, but maybe it means this. Oh, I don't know. It's so interesting. And it's just so delightful that I get excited, sometimes too excited. I'm like, okay, I have to close it now. Okay, praise the Lord. I'm going to open my journal. I'm going to write down five things I'm grateful for. I'm going to settle down now. And I'm going to think about you. I'm going to think about the throne with the four living creatures and the 24 elders and the sea of glass and the emerald rainbow around your throne. And, oh, God, I want to know you. And then every time we're singing, I'm thinking about, as we sing and we worship, I'm thinking about what I've been reading that day and, and wanting to talk to people about the things that I'm reading, wanting to um, talk to him during the day, acknowledging him. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Hallelujah. You know, that scripture is... A wonderful memory verse, and many of us will have learnt it. Hallelujah. But this idea of actually trusting him with all your heart, not letting yourself get distracted by thoughts and theories and ideas of what if this and what about that and oh, what about this and maybe he's forgotten and what about this and oh. 
instead being very diligent to go, no, I have dove's eyes. My eyes are focused on him. I'm just thinking about him right now. I'm, my trust is wholly in him. And I want to acknowledge him in all of my ways. That is, as I go about my day, that every day he's walking right beside me. He's walking with me. And I can acknowledge him in, in everything that I'm doing, walking and talking with him, just having conversation when I have to make a decision or if something happens or a drama comes up. I don't have to uh, think that I'm doing it by myself, but I can talk to him. He's right there. I can talk to you about that. What do you think about that, God? He's the best friend, I tell you. How wonderful to have the wisest one in the world, the one who created everything, who knows all things, as your best friend there to talk to you all the time. He tells us, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Why? Because it's for your benefit to talk to the counselor, to talk to the one who knows everything. And as you humble yourself and recognize, I need your help and you are my ever-present help in time of need. My time of need is all the time and I recognize that you are here to help me. Then he will direct your paths. He'll show you where to go. And I believe that this idea of fixing our thoughts, focusing on him is something that he so wants to do for us. Um, if you want to turn in Song of Songs to chapter 5, we can read about this again. In fact, it's quite beautiful. He refers, the king refers to the, the bride as, um, as having dove's eyes and the bride refers to the bridegroom as having dove's eyes. But in verse 2, it says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It's the voice of my beloved. He knocks saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. I love the way he speaks to us. Even if we're not paying attention, even if we're distracted, even if we're falling asleep, he's there going, hey, I'm here. Open your heart to me. Open up your eyes. I want to talk with you. I'm here. My dove, my perfect one. This is how he speaks to us, even when we have not been behaving as ones who have dove's eyes, when we've been distracted, when we've made mistakes, when we've sinned, when we've let him down. He comes to say, hey, I know who you are. You are the one with dove's eyes. You are my perfect one. And it causes us to go, oh God, have mercy on me. His goodness and kindness leads us to repentance and we receive the mercy of Christ. And he reminds us, hey, you're not that one that's meant to be distracted and, and, and flustered with thoughts going everywhere. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I remember seeing a, a demonstration someone did on how men think and how women think. And um, <laughs> how men think with this very compartmentalized way, and, and they think, seem to think about one thing at a time. But women, they like think about everything all the time, all the same time. And, and for me, I need the Holy Ghost to help me not be distracted. He likes the way he's made us, but I tell you, there's a grace to give us a supernatural peace that will help us focus on him. You see, this idea of focus is not just a, a good idea. 
I believe it's an invitation from the Holy Spirit because we are coming into a season of divine acceleration. There's a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit happening. And as we are focused, we're going to be accelerated toward what we are focused on. God also wants us to take responsibility for those things that he's called us to focus on. Sometimes people get upset and they think, well, the church isn't recognizing me. The church isn't making room for me. I don't have room here. It's like, hang on. Is the church your savior? That God is our savior. And if he puts something in your heart, you need to start moving toward it. Say you've got a real passion for evangelism. Don't get mad at the church because they're not giving you a microphone. Go and do the work of evangelism. And then the testimonies are going to make room for you to be able to equip saints to do the rest of the work. If you've got a prophetic word, don't get upset because we might not let you um, jump up that day. But instead, pray it in. Oh, God, this is what you're saying. So, Father, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to see your word released and manifest in our church. I love it. I get so blessed when I see um, we've got so many wonderful prophets in the house. But, I, you know, regularly... Dom and others will have a word, and I've already heard two or three, and we need to keep moving. And they never get offended. They just take the word, and they pray it in. And then when, they, when, they, when the time is for them to bring a word, it's always powerful and supernatural. But I watch and I see the character tests that these ones pass because they they're not about me being need to be heard. They're about, I've got something that has come from God and whether or not I get opportunity or not, it doesn't matter because I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to pray it in. I'm going to see it happen. And whatever God's put in your heart, we need to steward it well. I remember when the Lord told me, I want you to record these songs that you've written. And I went, oh God, you know, I can't do that. Not unless the, the church asks me to record it. And um, I was having this conversation with the Lord. I was like the choir director at the time. And I was doing the dishes. And I said, God, I'm, I, that would be self-promoting. I'm not going to make a CD. It's in the old days. You know, they had round things called CDs. And um, I said, I can't do that. And he said, I'd like you to, I'd love you to record that. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a blessing to a lot of people. Record these songs I've given you. I'd written a whole bunch of songs in the wilderness. And um, I said, oh, no, God, no, you'll have to make the church ask me to do it. And if they ask me to do it, then I won't be self-promoting. And I'm washing the dishes, and the Lord says, that's not going to wash with me when you get to heaven. (laughs) Oh, what? And so I had to just go and do it. I did it. And I mean, I had people writing letters saying I was delivered from a spirit of suicide as I was listening to this song. And God took it and gave it more favor than it could have gotten had it been done through the church. And I don't say that we should be going out to self-promote, but I do believe that we have to take responsibility for what God's asked us to do. If God's given you a teaching gift, then you should be starting to... To teach, start to teach a small group, start to write blogs, start to, to use what God's given you. And as you posture yourself in humility before him and steward what God's given you, then the wind of the Spirit can kick, pick it up and accelerate you toward what he has for you. Amen? Hallelujah. 
I think sometimes we, instead of fixing our eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith, we look for excuses when God's asking us to have focused faith. He's wanting us to listen. What do you say? That doesn't mean that we don't bring it um, to people and, and talk to leaders and have wisdom. Um, and that's a good thing. It's a great thing to get counsel and to get, to get wisdom. But at the end of the day, we have to take responsibility for the call on our own life. Hallelujah. And we need to be focused. What are you saying, Lord God? Okay, God, you're wanting me to believe for this. So yes, God, I'm going to give myself to that. And as you are faithful with the little, God will bless you with much. Hallelujah. I've had people say, well, you know, I'm meant to, I'm going to run orphanages in Cambodia. And I said, that's fantastic. Would you like to start um, helping in the children's church? They said, oh, no, no, I'm called to run orphanages. And 10 years later, they're still doing nothing with kids because they're waiting for someone just to give them a whole bunch of money to go and run an orphanage. When in fact, if they had begun a children's ministry, then perhaps it would have overflowed into um, the thing that God had put in their heart. You've got to begin You've got to begin, and I believe that we've got to begin, hallelujah, with what God has put in our heart so that he can accelerate us toward those things. That we've got to have a heart of humility and servanthood that would be willing to say, yes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to glorify God. If God's given me an anointing for healing, then I don't have to be uh, celebrated or given a title to do it. I'm going to start looking for people to pray for. I'm going to call them up, ask them for their prayer requests, and then I'm going to privately come before the Lord, lift them up to the Lord. I'm going to ask if I can pray for them and, uh, and begin to do what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. He is faithful.